0: You know, I was um, thinking back about when my wife, Elizabeth, and I were praying with elections. And we, we prayed, we fasted. And in that course of time, Elizabeth had a dream. And she had a dream uh, of an old car. And she said that there was, the, the car was so old that you couldn't turn you know, the crankshaft over. It was, it was dry, and the oil was dried up. And she said that that car got fresh oil and begin to run like new. That was her dream. And that represented what we felt like was the church at large. I believe with all of my heart that America is positioned for some of the greatest days ahead and outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we never need needed in our lives. And that's why I'm excited to do events like this, because there's something about being in the presence of God that revives and refreshes and recharges. You feel like an old car. You get moving up. Start moving, start jumping around. There's something amazing about God's presence that reinvigorates and refreshes us. And I'm just so grateful for it. I'm very humbled to have a wonderful man of God. As you know, we've been doing meetings here all week long. I'm looking forward to the next nights. We are going to finish out strong. And that's my dear friend, Brother Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. And his wonderful wife, Carolyn, came down with us. So we love you guys. I want to welcome you up. And to have you out this evening, man of God. Thank you, Thank you brother. You have fun.
1: Well, let's lift our hands and give Jesus praise tonight if you love him. Father, we're so thankful for your anointing. We're thankful for your presence that's in this house. We ask you to touch every one of us supernaturally. Don't let us leave this service the same way. Let us leave with an impartation, a deposit of your power and your glory. I thank you that we're going from faith to faith, from victory unto victory, from grace unto grace. It just keeps getting better in the kingdom of God. We thank you, Lord for never-ending increase. Lord, I thank you that no matter what the devil had planned to destroy America, to destroy Montana, to destroy our families and our children, that you are blowing your breath from heaven and you're blowing every wicked thing out of our path in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that we're getting ready to run unhindered like we never have. We thank you that you're making the crooked places straight And that every obstacle is getting out of our way in Jesus' mighty name. We expect to see answers to prayer because you're a prayer answering God. And so we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, somebody shout amen. 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 I'm telling you, I'm so glad to see you on a Wednesday night. How many of this is your first night in the revival? Lift your hand if this is your first night to be with us. Welcome. We're so glad to have you. Thank you for being here. And uh, I'm expectant. I know God's going to do good things. How do I know that? The Bible tells us that when we gather together in his name, he's already right here working. You know, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, they don't show up without something happening. Anytime the presence of God is at work, things begin to change. Things begin to happen and always happen for the better. Can you say amen? And so I'm, I'm, I've got a very specific expectation in mind in my spirit for tonight been praying for you today, asking God to touch every one of you, touch your families? How many of you can agree that, as Pastor said, like never before, we need the power of God in America? You can see it everywhere you look. You know, when you've got people that aren't even serving the Lord, that are starting to cry and say, "What something's up, and we need a change. You know that even when people whose hearts are not regenerated by salvation, when they know something's off, then you know something's, the devil's overplayed his hand. You know, when people that are wicked are upset with how wicked the world's getting, then you know the devil's overplayed his hand. And I'll tell you, even people, that's why I believe the devil's already failed in his plan to destroy the church and this nation. Why? Because when you see people that aren't even serving God getting fed up with the wickedness that's going on in the world, you know, see, I I actually believe this. I believe that in his arrogance and pride, the devil overplayed his hand in 2020 and thought that the world was ready for another level of wickedness that they weren't even ready for. And I believe as you see people that aren't even saved, that are calling out, crying out, standing up, and standing against the things that are going on, that should be a sign to us that the devil doesn't even know what he's doing. Do you realize it's crazy? I was thinking about this, how the devil is so foolish that he's actually working many times against himself, sin working against other sin. You know, if you understand Bible prophecy at all, you've read Bible prophecy, you know that at a certain point, there's going to be a one-world system. There's going to be a one-world government. There's going to be a one-world religion, a one-world monetary system. It'll be run by the Antichrist. And the devil would love to get it there as quickly as he can. The only problem is he keeps shooting himself in the foot at every turn. You know, I was reading this was back uh, after the year 2000. USA Today, I believe, was reporting that they wanted to create one money system for North America, Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. The problem is there's so much sin degrading Mexico that they can't even keep their money high enough in the dollar amount to equal out so they could form a one-world currency or a one-continent currency at that point. And it's funny because that would push us towards that one-world system, but sin is actually working against the own one-world system. Shows you the devil's not even prepared. And the church carries power to thwart every plan of the devil. You never have to be scared or worried about what the devil's doing. Let me say that again. You never have to be scared or worried about what the devil's doing. For the Bible says that the greater one lives on the inside of you. And if you read that verse of scripture in context, I'm referencing, of course, 1 John chapter 4. And verse four. But if you start at verse one, John is actually talking about people who operate in an antichrist spirit. And he said, they've gone out from among us and they have an antichrist spirit. Talks about what they're doing in the world. But then he encourages the people of God, but you don't have to worry about that because you've already overcome them. For greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And in the perfect context of that verse, you know he's talking about the Antichrist spirit, the Antichrist agenda. That ought to get you excited because in the fourth verse he says it like this. You are of God, little children. Everybody likes to get to the end. And greater is he that is in you. I like that part too. But you know what gets me real excited? You are of God, little children. You know why that makes me excited? Because if I'm of him, then I am what he is. Think about that. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. You know what that means? If my father has a certain attribute or DNA about him, that's also in me. Can you imagine if I was one of these deadbeat dads that had to go on Jerry Springer to prove that my son was my son, my wife's like, it's your son, it's your baby, you know, and I'm up there, it ain't my boy, it ain't my boy, you know, and then the DNA results are in, it's your son, you know, the like, ah. You've seen those deadbeat dead. Well, let me tell you, you could look at my son. You could look at his face. You could look at his mannerisms and his actions and his cowlicks. And no, of course, you can't tell now, but back then you could. And you know, that's his boy. You could look at my daughter, you could look at my children, and you don't even have to do a blood test. You could just look at how they look, how they act, what they are, and you say that is his kid. You would know because, see, that those characteristics, that nature, it begins to show itself in the children, and the same is true with the body of Christ. The Bible says as he is currently, so are we in this world. Which means that if we are of God, then that same nature of God dwells in us. The Bible says it's the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead. It dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. Let me say it this way if your elder brother's a lion, you can't be a giraffe. If your brother's a lion, you can't be a monkey. If your brother's a lion, you're a lion. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5 that Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Hear him roar. You know the Bible says? In Proverbs, the Bible declares this. The wicked run when nobody is chasing them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You know that 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 verse is more. You you get into the study of that verse, Proverbs twenty eight one. That verse is more than just an excuse not to exercise. And I like to pull that out and say, "We're going for a jog. You want to go?" No. The Bible says, "The wicked run when nobody's chasing them," <laughs> but the righteous. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. And so understand that same anointing that's in the lion of the tribe of Judah is on the inside of you tonight. That same power. That's why Jesus said that we would do the same works that he's done because he's going to be with the Father. Well, he did that and then sent us the Holy Ghost who now dwells in our physical body. And I wanted to get this into your spirit. Uh, And in just a moment I'm going to preach this word to you But I want you to hear it In uh, uh, the book of Isaiah Chapter 10 If you go there with me I want to show this uh, verse to you quickly Then I'm going to give you what God put in my spirit Isaiah chapter 10 And verse 27 Very interesting verse Obviously this context dealing with the remnant of Israel But I want you to hear What the word of the Lord said through the prophet Isaiah Listen to this And in that day His burden will depart from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be broken because of the anointing that's what the king james says if you're reading from the king james it's the bible jesus used and if you didn't know i'm kidding but if you're not in the king james the more modern version look what it says and the and the yoke will be broken because of the fat ooh glory to god I said, "Glory to God." People say, "What does that mean?" They don't even be broke because of the... no. You think about this. There's a passage of scripture where the Bible says that God will make your neck fat. You ever read that before? The Bible says He'll make your neck fat. It's happened to some of us here, literally, but I'm talking about spiritually. Notice this collar's unbuttoned with no tie. Hallelujah! <laughs> I remember I was putting some weight on pretty quickly. I buttoned a jacket that I'd had for a while, and I thought, "My God, if that thing lets go, then someone's losing an eye tonight because." <laughs> You know it's rough when that button becomes a weapon of mass destruction. Anyway, (laughs) he said the yoke shall be destroyed because of the fat. Because of the fat. The anointing brings increase. The anointing brings increase. I quoted it at the beginning of this service while I was praying. We go from faith unto faith. From victory unto victory, from grace unto grace, it's greater grace, it's greater victory, it's greater faith. In the kingdom of God, we increase steadily. It's always an increase in the kingdom. God has no plans for you to decrease or diminish. God has no plans for you to go from victory to defeat. He's got no plans to take you from a place of peace into a place of anxiety and depression. That's not how God works. He destroys every wicked and evil thing when you pursue him by faith. And so you begin to see here that the yoke will be destroyed because of what? The fat, the anointing. One translation of the anointing, this translation the fat. You, you've ever seen uh, oxen or horses that are yoked together? You know, I grew up near Amish country out in Pennsylvania and West Virginia, and you'd see that all the time. You'd see the buggies going down the road. You'd see the horses that were yoked together pulling those buggies, or you'd see them in the fields plowing, or you'd see them in the fields working, and they'd be yoked together. Think about that. What is a yoke? A yoke is something that's put on the neck of that animal to cause it to drag, as a slave or a servant, a heavy weight. Something they were not born with. Something that was put on them by a taskmaster. And the Bible says that the yoke was on Israel. But he said the yoke will be broken off of you because of the anointing or because of the increase. And that yoke was on their neck. You ever watch them and they're pulling a heavy load through a field. I watch people come to church this way. They'll pull a heavy yoke. They're coming in the door and they're battling depression or they're battling anxiety. Or battling addictions, battling sickness, battling disease. They got marital issues. They got problems with their children. The devil's trying to attack on every side tries to put a weight on your life and on your shoulders. And there's people dragging stuff around and they try to come in, they lift their hands and smile like nothing's wrong. But on the inside, they're struggling because they're dragging stuff around in life that they weren't called to drag around. And he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. And when the sun sets you free, then that thing that was hanging on you, and it doesn't matter how many years. As I shared with you earlier, just a couple of weeks ago, that man in Texas got delivered from three packs a day for 26 years, laid him on the altar, and never smoked another cigarette. He didn't have to wear a patch or chew gum or go to some meeting. The power of God hit him and set him free from nicotine addiction. And I'm telling you, see, like, I'm old school. I believe that you can be saved, but the enemy will still try to use things to keep you bound up. You know, when I was growing up, we had a country preacher. See, I'm from the country. I'm from West Virginia. The town I grew up in has 300 people, two churches, and a post office that's open from 11 a.m. to 11.15 a.m. you got to run to get your mail. I mean, you got to run. We don't even have a fire department. Our town's unincorporated. Ida May, West Virginia. The coal miner named it after his own daughter, Ida May, That's where I grew up, middle of nowhere, West Virginia. And we had some of those country preachers, they'd get up and stand and preach stuff. He'd say, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. I walk right, talk right, and spit white. Because everybody where I live has a Copenhagen ring in their jeans, and they got a dip of snuff in their lip. And so you understand what he's preaching about. I walk right, talk right, and spit white. Yeah, because once you get translated, there are things the devil will try to use to keep you in a place of bondage on an invisible prison. Many people, you can't see it on the outside, but they're battling it on the inside. Things that the enemy tries to use to bring guilt and shame in their life, tries to destroy their mind and their peace and makes them walk around in guilt and shame. And that, that's one of the things that's a problem. Because if you read how we're supposed to approach God, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that when we need help in the time of need, how are we supposed to approach the throne? boldly approach the throne of grace that you might find help. So notice what the devil does. He knows how to make you feel shame and guilt so that you will not boldly approach the throne of grace to receive help from God when you need it. You know why? It's not because God doesn't want to help you. It's not because God doesn't have an answer to your problem. It's that we're required to pursue him by faith. But if the devil can get you to identify with who you used to be rather than who you are now, that guilt will remain. That shame will remain. And you, you know the devil's a master of? Reminding you of all the stuff you used to do. Reminding you all the stuff you used to say, you used to be. And you know what he does? He'll bring that stuff up and play it like a video in your mind on repeat. Say, you really think God can use you? Don't you remember when you were doing this? Don't you remember when you used to be this person? Don't you remember when all, look at all you've done. How could God use you, bless you, touch you? And he talks to you like that. And you've got to be big enough to declare, no, I'm not that person anymore. I've got a brand new identity through the Holy Ghost. I'm not an old sinner saved by grace. If I hear one more person preaching, then how many know we're all just sinners saved by grace? Speak for for yourself. I'm not an old sinner saved by grace. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and behold all things have become new. I'm not who I used to be. I've been remade and recreated by the power of the Holy Ghost. The way you hear some people talk about salvation you'd think God took your old dirty spirit and threw some heavenly duct tape on it. Well he got me duct tape up. You know duct tape solves pretty much everything. But it doesn't solve sin. You can't duct tape a spirit up and expect it to go to heaven. God did not say, well, I'm just gonna patch up the holes. That's not what he did for you. Through the blood of Jesus, he took that old man, that old dead in trespasses and sins man, and even though you were, Ephesians says, dead in trespasses and in sins, he raised you up together with Christ and seated you in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers, every ruler and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world but that which is to come and has put all things under your feet, hallelujah made Christ to be head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. You know what that means? You're not a victim, you're victorious you're not begging God to help you you're seated in heavenly places night at the right hand of the Father, and you're far above every principality and every power, and you've got dominion over the power of the devil. Can you say amen? You know, when you have the right mindset about who you are in Christ, about what you have, the power you have over the devil, you won't even walk the same anymore. There's people that are so, literally, they're so scared of the supernatural, they've watched too many movies that Hollywood's put out. Brother Till, would you pray for me? I feel like there's an evil spirit in my house. Kick its behind out. Grab it by the nap of its neck and throw it out the door. People, i got a night vision camera set up in my living room because I've heard noises. And I just think that there's something in my house. I'm not sure. I don't know what the previous owners were doing. But, you know, I've got, I've got salt on all the doorways. I think there's footsteps. And we're going to track it. I think I'm going to catch it on camera. And then we've got three priests coming with holy water. And they're going to sprinkle it. It's like, Good Lord. What what kind of power do you think demons have? When you start to realize who you are in Christ, you're walking around looking for a fight. Demons have to cross to the other side of the street when you walk down the street because you carry the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me me tell you how powerful the the power that you have is. The Bible says when Jesus came across the sea and stepped out of the boat in the region of the Gadarenes in Mark chapter 5, The Bible says there was a demon-possessed man in the graveyards who had a legion of demons in his body. Historians tell us that that was a reference to a Roman legion of soldiers which consisted of anywhere between four to 6,000 men. Could it be possible that there were four to 6,000 demons inside one man's body? Well, we know there were enough that they filled a whole herd of pigs when Jesus cast them out and ran them over a cliff and into the water. I want you to hear this. Now, let me, me, can I stop and make a point here? Jesus, what do you think? Jesus didn't know that those demons would destroy the pigs? He knew. He knew demons were destructive. You know, I'll I'll make two points here that might blow your mind. Number one, Jesus knows. He knows what's going on in the spirit realm. He knew what was going to happen to those pigs. But first of all, it wasn't going to affect him because Jews don't eat pork. (laughs) Ain't going to bother his ham sandwich because he don't eat ham sandwiches. So that's number one. Number two, he was willing to let every pig in that herd die before he was allowed to, allowing one man to be destroyed by demons. You know what that means? God cares more about one person's life than he does about spotted owls and whales. and every. We got thousand dollar a plate dinners to save owls and whales and we're murdering babies by the hundreds of thousands and America's got her mind all twisted up because we've put value on the lives of animals over the lives of humans that are created in the likeness and in the image of God. And here's an example. I hope Peter's watching right now. Peter Peter, tune in right now. I'm going to send a clip to you. If Peter's watching, you need to hear what I'm saying. That Jesus was willing to let every pig die before he'd allow one human being to be harassed by the power of demon spirits. And he cast them out. Let the pigs die, but let the man live. Because the man is created in the likeness and in the image of God. Let me tell you another thing. It was a if you read the story for yourself, it was a herd of pigs. And there were herders out there. You know what that means? It was someone's livelihood. That wasn't just wild pigs walking around. That was somebody's herd. Jesus said, I don't care. I'm more willing to let this one man be delivered of demon possession than worry about somebody's herd of pigs. Obviously, it wasn't somebody in covenant with God because Jews weren't herding pigs. I can preach this thing all night, but I'm going to tell you something. If you're in covenant with Jesus, it makes all the difference in the world. If you're in covenant with God, it makes all the difference in the world. And the Bible says, now catch this, the man is in the graveyard because they've kicked him out of the cities because he's so violent that they can't even subdue him. He's snapping chains and getting out of his restraints. If it was 2021, they'd just diagnose him, put him on mind medication, and throw him in a padded room. Because in 2021, we don't recognize demonic power. Everything's a mental condition. You don't have to shout, but I'm going to keep I'm preaching it anyway. It's true. We've, I've told you this week there's a problem when we put uh, natural problems, and, or excuse me, natural solutions on spiritual problems. You've got to deal with spiritual problems spiritually. And until we do that, the root will always be there in somebody, and it doesn't matter how much you medicate them, doesn't matter how much counseling they go through, doesn't matter how padded their room is, the problem will remain in their spirit. Because a spiritual problem needs a spiritual solution. And here's a man, now think about this, up until that moment, he was the most powerful spiritual force in the whole region. Nobody was more powerful than this man filled with a legion of demons. Nobody could subdue him. All of a sudden, this boat pulls up on the shore and Jesus steps out into the region. And the Bible says that the man snapped his head around and seeing him afar off. That phrase right there gets me excited because the demon-possessed man didn't have to walk right up next to Jesus to feel his anointing. The Bible says he sensed him from afar off. He recognized in that moment, I am no longer number one. I'm no longer king of the hill. I no longer am the most powerful spiritual force. He felt Jesus coming, and the Bible says when he did, he took off running down the hill to the shore where Jesus was and bowed down low before him and began to worship Jesus and beg him, please don't harass us before our time. Now you think about that. A whole army of demons was inside one man. But it was still not enough to come against the power of Jesus Christ that was standing on the shore. Notice Jesus didn't have to get his disciples to all join hands or stretch their hands towards the man and all pray in speed tongues and get your intercessory prayer garments out. We've got to go to work here. He just stood. Jesus showing up was too much for demons. Jesus just walking around was too much for demons. This is the kind of power and authority that's on the inside of you tonight. That same spirit that's in Christ is the same spirit that's in you. And the Bible says the man felt Jesus, saw him, and ran to bow down in submission before him and worshiped him and begged him. And I love Jesus' response. Shut up. There's some stuff we've been praying about for too long. Some stuff you need to just look the devil in the eye and say, shut your mouth. Sometimes, I'm just telling you, be totally honest with you, get real bold. If there's something coming against your body, coming against your mind, why don't you just stand in front of the mirror at home? Don't wait for the next Sunday service. Don't wait for a prayer cloth or a pastoral visit. Don't wait for any kind of anointing oil, and don't wait for the next revival to sweep through town. Stand in front of the mirror, point your finger at that body part, and say, devil, shut up in Jesus' name. Loose me and let me go, and I lose healing anointing into my own body. That same power is in your hands. Somebody lift up your hands. That same power is in your hands. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. I was in a service one time with an old preacher. He must have been, I mean, 88 years old. His name was Evangelist Bob McCutcheon. And he he was a wild man. He was an old Pentecostal preacher, but he was about almost 90. And he, I mean, we were having a service. I was a teenager at the time. He's out. He's laying hands on everybody in the church. People are going out in the Holy Ghost left and right. And he's, I mean, he's just not stopping. 88 years old. He's running around. Boom. He's laying hands on people. They're going down. Everybody's out in the Holy Ghost. He's looking around for somebody else to lay hands on. Nobody else is up. Everybody's out in the Holy Ghost. He's the last man standing. I, no lie. I'm peeking from the ground. I'm watching Pastor Bob McCutcheon. And he's looking around. Ain't nobody else to lay hands on. And he goes, Wait for me. Laid his, his, his hands on his own head and went out. <laughs> Wait for me. See, the devil doesn't have power over you. The anointing that's in you is so much greater than the power of the devil. I mean, devils are afraid. They can feel you when you're coming. I'm being honest with you. I've had these things happen more than once. More than once. Many times. Demonic activity. Just begins to be, why? Because what's in you makes them uncomfortable, because they can sense the dominion and the authority that you have as a Christian over demonic power. I was me and my uncle flew. We were in Europe. We're walking down the streets of Paris, France. We're just we're not preaching or speaking in tongues or prophesying. We're just walking to get something to eat. All of a sudden, everything was normal until we walked past this cafe and this guy started manifesting and screaming, jumped up out of his seat, flipped the tables and started screaming and knocking everybody's stuff off their table and ran out and down the street. I turned out, well, I said, guess the devil knows we're here now. <laughs> My dad was eating in a pizzeria up in New England and there was a younger man probably in his like, late 30s, early 40s eating with his parents who were probably in their 70s. And they're just sitting there eating their dinner. My dad came in, sat down with uh, his, uh, my mom and his friend uh, Donnie Johnson. They're eating there. And all of a sudden, this guy that was eating with his parents starts freaking out and growling. And he screams and knocks his stuff out. And he runs out of the restaurant. My dad turned to look. And as he's going, he saw a big demonic bat tattooed on the back of the guy's neck. He turned to Donnie and said, there's, right there's the definition of a bat out of hell. <laughs> I just started, he said, I don't know. His parents said, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's wrong with him. Waitress said, I'm sorry. I don't know what's up with this man. He said, he's never, his parents went, he's never done that before. My dad said, I've never come in here before. <laughs> they can feel you coming. I tested this out. I was in Boston, Massachusetts, sitting in my truck. My wife and the pastor and and his wife and them, they were in a coffee shop getting coffee. And it's so hard to find a parking space in the city in Boston. I said, I'm going to sit right here on the side of the street. And if anybody tells me to move, I'm going to say, just a minute. That's how I do it at the airport too. Just a moment. Just a moment. You've been here for a lot of moments. Just another moment. And all of a sudden, this demon-possessed woman came out of the coffee shop. And she's just like, you could tell she's something's up with her and she's and i could feel her coming i turned around and looked and i saw her i could feel it in my spirit i saw her coming and uh, she's walking down the sidewalk and i could tell she's just out just out and I, i felt that demonic presence that was uh binding her and i said i'm gonna show the devil that i've got power over him i don't even need to roll a window down I don't need to get out with a bottle of oil and a crucifix. I, I adjure thee in the name of Christ Jesus. I don't have to do all that. I'll speak to it from behind the glass. It can hear in the spirit, and it'll obey. And i told telling you the honest truth. I sat there in my truck, driver's seat, my Ford Expedition. I did not move. My wind, She couldn't have seen me either. My windows are so darker than a drug dealer's. There's drug dealers. I roll down, there went, who's this coming right here? <laughs> it's the preacher. You better keep moving. <laughs> I just sat there behind that glass and I waited until she came parallel with my truck. I said in the name of Jesus, get out like that. And I mean, when I said that behind a closed door, closed glass, she flailed her body, fell on the ground and started screaming and man of Peter pants manifested, yelling at the sky, screaming, jumps up. Remember this? And she ran down the street, ran out and ran out down the side of the block. I mean, just like that quick. I didn't have to get out. I didn't have to address her personally. None of that. Why? The devil can feel you coming. He can feel you coming. I'll tell you something that happened. If you were here last year, I think I shared this story. I was in Brazil just two years ago, and I was preaching in the, the state or the region of Mato Grosso, Brazil, and I was up. That's a very rural part, by the way. It's cattle farms. It's all cattle farms. And uh, nobody, it's not near any cities. Nobody speaks English. It's all Portuguese. And any time I had to speak to anybody, I had to use an interpreter. Well, I'm preaching one night. Church is packed out. And I'm getting ready to give the altar call for salvation. And as I'm getting ready to give the altar call, I said, you know, I sense people here need Jesus. and, and And the interpreter's helping me. And the platform's high. It's like this high. And I'm just calling people to Christ. If you need to be saved. If you need to know your sins are forgiven, come to this altar and be saved tonight. Well, people start flooding the altar. We probably had about 120, 130 people come down out of their seats that night just to be saved. Well, I see this woman coming down, and she's walking down, and she she was, you know, all of five foot one. I mean, she was a little woman, blonde hair, and she was coming down with her arms crossed with a sour look on her face. I was like, my God, this woman does not like what I preached tonight. I don't know what her problem was, but she stalks down to the front. And she stands in line with all the folds around, you know, she's standing there like this and just glaring at me. I mean, she's like glaring at me. She's, like, she's giving me stank face, you know what I'm talking about? And she's, you know, looking like that. And I thought, well, good Lord, what's, what's wrong with this woman? I said, well, we won't let it ruin it. I said, we're going to read, lead you in the sinner's prayer. And uh, my interpreter's helping me. And so I lead him. And just as I get ready to start leading them in the sinner's prayer, this little woman starts manifesting demonically. She starts screaming at the altar and starts running across the front, and she's trying to punch the new believers in the face at the altar, this little woman. It took, this is how I knew it was demonic power. It took four full-grown men ushers to hold this woman down, four. And she's flailing, screaming, she's on the ground. I said, well, I'm not going to let that, uh, you know, detract from the salvations. Of course, I learned something from, there was an old preacher, some of you may remember him. His name was Evangelist R.W. Shambach. Anybody remember Brother Shambach? And he, he traveled with a man during the Voice of Healing movement whose name was A.A. A. Allen. Anybody ever heard that name? Brother A.A. A. Allen, powerful man of God. I traveled with my father and Brother Shambach for about 15 years before Brother Shambach passed away. We were in all the tent meetings, all the crusades. I heard Brother Shambach say one time about Brother Allen. He said he casts more demons out of people on accident than most preachers do on purpose. I mean, he was always casting demons out of people. Well, I watched an old video of Brother Allen, and (laughs) no lie, he would do this in front of a tent full of like 10,000 people. He'd have somebody start manifesting demonically, and he would call them down to the front. Come stand here at the altar. And the demon-possessed person would come down. You can see videos of it on YouTube. He'd make records, like, you know, the, the LPs, the, you know, that's how they would distribute his media back then on record. And you could hear these interviews. He'd call him, come stand right here. And he'd interview, <laughs> I've never seen this before in my life. He'd interview the demon inside the person. He'd say, now you know you're coming out tonight, don't you? And you'd hear, no, no, we're not. Yes, you are. <laughs> he, he's sitting there interviewing this person in front of a tent full of people. And all like, no, no so Brother Shambach said, I learned, uh, you know, how to take authority over demon spirits. So Brother Shambach was preaching a crusade one time. And he said, in the middle of his preaching, a demon possessed dude starts manifesting in the third row. He said, so I'd stop my preaching and cast the demon out of the guy. He said, the demon got out of the man, but it jumped into somebody else that was unsaved. He said, so he came over here. This person starts man. He cast it out of that person. It jumped into somebody else. He said, and finally, after about four people, the demon spoke out of the fourth person and said, we're going to wear you out tonight. Shambok. just like that. gonna wear you out. He said, so I learned my lesson quick he said next thing I did he said is I gave a salvation call got everybody saved so there was nowhere else for the demon to go he said so the next time that happened to me he said I was in a crusade and I've seen him do this I've been in services where he did this he said I'd have somebody start manifesting demonically and he'd say you'd see it and I'd have the usher stand by him because I'm getting ready to cast he said now hold on he said now folks I'm getting ready to cast the demon out of this man here and if your soul is not right before God. You're an open vessel to receive it. He said, if you need Jesus, get to that. And you people were running. My God. <laughs> he said, pastors would come out of the pastor's section. Lord, forgive me. Oh, I'll... Emptied half the choir loft. Everybody's coming to get saved. I'm getting ready to cast this demon out. People were like, God, oh, not me, Jesus. And then he cast it out. So he learned that lesson. Well, I didn't have to learn by trial and error. I just learned by instruction. So I said, you know what, no use trying to cast the demon out of this little woman while all these 120 unsafe people are in one location. You understand what I'm saying? We don't want, because maybe she has multiple demons. I don't want a demon army at the altar, you understand? So I said, I said, just hold her, <laughs> hold her, and we're going to pray. We prayed the sinner's prayer, and we let every one of those people in the prayer of salvation, and they're all giving God praise and rejoicing. Well, we finished. We said Amen. I mean, I felt the gift of faith jump in my spirit. I mean, I felt it come on me. I felt the strength of God. And I took off running. I completely forgot how tall that platform was. It was like up to here. And I took off running, and I jumped off that platform. Coming out of somebody's face, that's what it looked like. She's like, oh. You know, she's straining and all this. And I looked right at her, and I said, you're coming out of her tonight in Jesus' name. Nobody spoke English, and the demon spoke back in perfect English. Said, no, I'm not. Just like that. Now, my interpreter was a little smarter. He took the stairs. And so he he did. He took the stairs on the side. He did not. When you're an interpreter, by the way, if you ever need to interpret for somebody, do what they do. If they're dynamic, be dynamic. Best interpreters I've ever preached with, they'll even mimic what you do physically. You know, if I say like God, Jesus is coming, then the interpreter should say, Jesus is coming. You don't stand over here and go, Jesus is coming. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he glorious? Try to get in sync. You know what I'm saying? Try to get in sync. If I jump, you jump. If I move, you move. Okay? So I run, jump. He takes the stairs. He's like 15 seconds to get to the demon this one. And he comes back. It was too late for him. I didn't even need his help anymore. The demon speaks English. so You can stay over there by the stairs. I looked at him. I said, didn't need you for that one, buddy. I mean, she's already talking to me. I said, oh, yes, you are coming out of her tonight. By the power of the Holy Ghost. And I laid my hands on that woman, and I cast that demon out of her, and she, it made me think of the scripture in the Bible that it, it tore at him, the Bible says, and left him. It's exactly what happened. She thrashed on the ground, and then she went limp, almost like she was unconscious, and the demon left her just like that and the woman of the women of the church came the kind of like the church mothers if you'd seen how it was there in Brazil there's like church mothers much like there is in the church of God in Christ in the United States they came around her and they woke her they woke her brought her back to and when she got up she looked around wide-eyed and said in portuguese where am i how did I How did I get here? What is this place? She didn't even know where she was. See, the demon-possessed uh, nature that she had before, that demon could not resist the anointing that was in that church. You know what I found out? I found this out. You'd think, it's kind of a weird thing, you'd think that when demons felt the anointing, that they, it would repel them, that they'd go the other way. It doesn't. It draws them in. Anybody else own a bug zapper? You ever seen a bug zapper? It's like, you know you shouldn't go near it. It's like blue light, blue light, blue light. You're done. And that's exactly, it's like you read it in the Bible, you see it in natural light, that's exactly what happens. It's like the anointing should repel demons, but in all reality, it draws them. They'll come right in. They'll come into a church service just like this. They'll come into a crusade. They'll come, all that stuff. My uncle was preaching one time in India, and they told him, they said, now listen. I, we'd 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 really advise you. You know, th- this is a rough area of India, and there's people here that are violently opposed to the gospel message. So, you know, you're taking your life into your own hands. Don't preach against false gods and all that. Well, you tell a preacher, "Don't preach against false gods." What do you think I'm going to preach about? It's the first thing I'm going to preach on the list. I'm here to preach to you tonight on false gods. It's like it's like saying "sickum" to a dog. You just preach even harder. And my uncle's preaching in India, and he's standing there. And as he's preaching on this field, there's a scream from the shadows and here comes a man from the nation there and he's coming down. He's got a big club in his hand to club my uncle to death while he's preaching the gospel. Comes right down the center. Now, my uncle is no pushover. He's, he's, a, he's an outdoorsman. He's a man's man, and he could feed you your lunch if you need it. And he's standing there. He said, I don't know what I was going to do. He said, but I braced my feet. And he said, I balled my fist and cocked it back. He said, if the Lord wasn't going to help me, I was going to help myself. And he said, that man was coming right at me. He said, I braced myself for war. And he, heard, he, he said, I heard the Holy Ghost say to me, just keep on preaching just keep on preaching. He said, so I just kept on preaching. He said, the man ran right down the center aisle. He said, when he got about five to six feet from me, it looked like he just hit a brick wall, bam, hit it and fell backwards. He said what it felt like to me, because it's not like you just hit and slumped. He said, it, it was an unseen force that pushed the man the opposite way he was running. He said it was like somebody that you couldn't see stood there with a 12-gauge shotgun, and when he got there, boom, and just knocked him right back. He's out cold with his club on the ground. And he says, so well, I just kept on preaching. And here I'm preaching back and forth. He said, all of a sudden, in the midst of my preaching, maybe 10 minutes later, another scream from this side of the field. And a guy comes running. He's got like a machete or something. He co- I guess it must have been his buddy. He comes down, and here he comes. And the Lord said, kept pre- keep preaching. He comes about where the other guy was, the same force. Boom, knocks him, and he piles over on the man that was on the ground already. Now you got two people out on the ground with weapons next to them. You know, where was the prayer cloth ministry on that one? Nobody was coming over. Just get that and get that machete out of the way there. We'll put that in the lost and found. People just looking like, my God, something's up in here. Third man did it. Came from this side. Third man came down, comes running down the center. Going to take my uncle out for preaching the gospel. Same power of God. Boom, hit him. Now you got a pile of bodies. You know, Pentecostal church is the only one where you have to say, as you're coming to the altar, watch the bodies. (laughs) They don't say that in seeker churches. But in Pentecostal churches, you got to watch the bodies. And so now he's preaching the rest of the service. Now see, (laughs) the same people that were all afraid, that were all worried about this demonic power at work in the nation, about these men that were violently opposing the power of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Once you realize that the greater one lives on the inside of you, you begin to realize there is no demon power or demon force that's strong enough to oppose who you are in Jesus Christ. You've got dominion and authority through the power of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? You've got dominion and authority through the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, that woman that I prayed for in Brazil. They woke her up. The ladies brought her to. She said, where am I? They told her, you're in church. And they led her over. The pastor was sitting in a seat over here against the wall, they led her over, and in Portuguese, he led her to Jesus. She prayed the sinner's prayer, and that night, I was anointing people with oil to receive the Holy Ghost. Here she comes in the line, big smile on her face, you know, it's a wonderful new life. Here she comes with a big smile, no longer trying to punch anybody or smack people at the altar. It makes a world of difference if you don't have a demon. It's what's a wonderful thing, and, and she was completely delivered by the power of God. See, when you walk in the authority of the Holy Ghost, the anointing breaks every yoke of bondage. It doesn't matter if it's sickness, it doesn't matter if it's disease, it doesn't matter if it's anxiety or depression, it doesn't matter if it's possession, it doesn't matter even if it's some issue that tries to come in your home and steal the peace of your home to try to mess with your marriage or mess with your children, mess with your grandkids, even that spirit of seducing sin that tries to pull them into the things of this world. The anointing breaks every yoke of bondage. And it doesn't matter what the devil has planned to destroy you because God already has a plan to bless you. Can you say amen? It's a dangerous thing for the devil to stand against the church of God. Because the Bible says God told Abraham, I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you. God releases a supernatural attack against every plan of the enemy that's sent to destroy God's people. You got to understand that when you walk in authority, then you're standing in a strength that no demon can mess with, that no enemy can stop. I think about another great man of God. Have you ever heard of uh, Dr. Lester Sumrall? Who's ever heard of Brother Sumrall? He was an apostle of faith, a powerful man. We literally, to this day, still partner with his ministry, and he's been dead since the, what, 90s? He's been dead since the 90s, the early thousands, and he's got a ministry that's still going, that's still feeding the poor people around the world. It's called Feed the Hungry. We still stand with them today. they still got employees all over the world. You know, you've got a... You know you've made a serious impact for God when you've been dead 30 years and you still have hundreds of employees working for your ministry. I was like, hadn't been around for three decades, but he's still got employees and still got a ministry. And, and the power of God's still flowing through them. Well, he was overseas doing a crusade. He used to preach at length about demon possession and freedom from demonic possession and oppression. And he was a gruff man. I mean, Brother, Brother Summerall was a rough man. Very gruff in how he could handle himself, but he was just, he got it done for the Lord. Just very rough, very gruff. He was from South Bend, Indiana. And uh, he was preaching overseas, and as he was in the midst of a crusade, he was in his hotel room. And a demonic spirit came in there to harass him and to probably intimidate him out of doing the crusade. He said, I was laying in my bed in the hotel room. He said, about to go to sleep when all of a sudden the curtains by the window started blowing straight out with a wind and the window wasn't even open. He said, but they stood out on end and they were like blowing with an invisible wind. He said, and my bed began to vibrate in the hotel room. He said, and it vibrated so much it came off the wall about two feet into the middle of the hotel room. He wrote this in his book. He said, and when I felt that demonic presence, I got ticked off and I spoke to that demon. said, 'In said, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. He said, the bed just stopped, dropped to the floor. The curtains dropped down to the wall and the demonic presence left the hotel room. He said, and I just sat up feeling totally at peace. The demon had to go at the command of a Holy Ghost filled man. He said, but then I looked around behind the bed and the bed was two feet off the wall, he said, I got ticked off again. And I said, devil, get back in here. And he said, the bed began to vibrate again, and the curtain stood out on it." He said, put that bed back against the wall. He said, the thing shook back towards the wall. He said, now get out in Jesus' name. <laughs> I mean, total dominion over the devil. I've seen so many things. I mean, at this point in my life, I, you can't, I can't deny that, that God is real, that the supernatural realm is real. These things aren't fake stories or anecdotes to make people laugh. These are things that are going on in the world, and in the American church, people have got their head in in the sand so much, they think there is no supernatural force at work. People think everything's natural, life sometimes throws lemons at, no. There's a real enemy out to destroy you. There's a real attack that's coming against this world. There's a real fight to be fought, and only fighters are qualified to be winners. We're to fight the good fight of faith, and lay hold on eternal life and see what we're realizing now is that if we're not connected to the power of the Holy Ghost that's why it's so vital That God's looking for people that will not compromise the power of the Holy Spirit in the church of God. It blows my mind to see churches that don't want the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in their services. Well, you know, we've got visitors, so please don't speak in tongues. We've got people here that don't understand, so please don't lay hands on anybody. You know what they're telling young preachers now, younger than me, coming out of Bible school? Well, if you really want to be relevant, then just come in and, uh, you know, maybe read a little verse, but, you know, Don't get too deep into the word and don't talk about the blood of jesus and you know, take the cross out of the church We don't need the cross. That's a gory sign of torture We don't want to make people uncomfortable Don't say stuff like are you washed in the blood because they'll think that you wash people in blood in your church and That's the stuff they're telling you at church growth conferences Oh, yeah And it's happening all over this nation and they're trying to turn the church into some little neutered uh, uh whatever you want to call it, social club where people just come in, get a little injection, feel good till Wednesday, get another little injection till the next Sunday morning. They punch their card and they go home. But see, God's not looking for that. He's looking for people that are sold out to His Spirit, sold out to His Word, that understand that there is principalities and powers. And we don't fight the fight that we're fighting with weapons. You can't fight the devil with a gun or a knife. The weapons of our warfare are not But they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. As God said through Zechariah, it is not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And I'm telling you more than ever before, we need the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our churches and in our lives. Jesus is literally getting ready to come back to this earth and people are not ready to see him when he comes. There's people, their lives are so far from, from God, That if Jesus came back tonight, they'd not be able to look him in the eye and call him Savior and call him Lord. Because sin has kept them from being forgiven. That life of sin holds people into an invisible prison. It's a bondage, as the Bible calls it, a yoke that hangs around people's necks. And there's things, let me tell you, if you, if you read the story of Lazarus, you know when Jesus went to Lazarus' tomb, I'm sure you've heard it preached before. It's very interesting that Jesus didn't give one command. He gave three commands. Isn't that interesting? He gets there. Where would you lay him down? Well, he's over here in the tomb. What's the first command he gave? Roll away the stone. You know, you can't address the problem if you don't know where the problem is. And here's the issue that people have. They come to church. There's people that come to church. They got a stone rolled in front of their life. They come in on Sunday morning with their church clothes on and they lift their hands and sing the songs and shake hands in the lobby and they got a stone rolled in front of the problem. Everything on the inside stinks and is rotting and is being destroyed, but they keep the stone rolled in front so that nobody knows what's going on in their life. But see, if you don't roll that stone away, you'll never address that problem that the Holy Ghost wants to heal you from. And he said, roll away the stone. They said, Lord, are you serious? Because surely by Now he stinks. See, Jesus didn't care about the smell, he didn't care about ruffling some feathers, he cares more about healing you than he does about how bad your situation stinks. He cares more about your eternal soul and about how you are faring in this life than he does about the things you've actually gone through. Jesus is not embarrassed by it, Jesus is not offended by it. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He loves you tonight, and he wants to help you tonight. He said, roll away the stone. By the time they finally obeyed, I'm sure everybody was like, we'll get it right now. I'm not worried about it. Rolled it away. And then you know what the second command was? Lazarus, come forth. And out came a dead man. Still wrapped up in grave clothes. Came hopping out of the tomb. Notice this. He came out. At the command of Christ, Lazarus, come out. And out he came. Now remember this, he was fully alive. This is a man who had been dead and decomposing for four days. Here's a man that even if his body did get life again, medical, we know now medically, he should have been brain dead. All that time with no oxygen going to the brain, he should have been brain dead. should have been a vegetable, even if he did come back to life. His organs should not have worked properly. His joint, his body, nothing, nothing should have worked. He was dead. Jesus was dead three days. Nothing should have worked in his body. He, that's why I've been encouraging people. People say, well, well, brother, you don't know how serious what I've been going through is. Oh, really? Are you still alive? Because if you're still alive, you got it better than Jesus. He said, Well, you don't understand. You know, the doctors are saying, you know, that it's cancer. You know, people think it's really bad when they whisper their problem to you. you know, it's, can- it's cancer. As if they don't want it. Yeah, I've actually had people I've actually had people because they don't want to confess it, there's actually people that have come to me and they'll spell it. Well, you know, the doctor said it's C A N C E R As if the devil can't spell. And there's, there's people that think their problem is so great, God can't do anything about it. We actually, and if you've heard preachers preach, then you've heard this before. Because we'll, we'll say phrases like this. How many have ever heard this phrase? How many know there's nothing too hard for God? How many have ever heard like somebody say that? When you say the word to, you are implying levels of difficulty. There's nothing too hard. What you're saying is some things are harder than others for them, but nothing's too hard. That's not what I say. What I declare is there's nothing hard for God. Nothing's hard for the God you serve. I said nothing's hard for the God you serve. Nothing's hard for the God you serve doesn't matter if it's cancer, a cold, or COVID. Nothing's hard for the God you serve. He's a God that does the impossible and always does the incredible. And though Lazarus was dead four days, he came hopping out of the tomb. Let me get this before I minister to you. The Bible says that Jesus had one more command for him. You know what it was? He's already alive. But now the final command, loose him and let him go. Loose him. And let him go. There are people that are already saved. They're already Christians. They're already on their way to heaven. But they'll come to church week after week still in grave clothes. They're they're Christians. They're on their way to heaven. Like the man who was sitting in the service in Texas. He's saved. He comes to church faithfully. Speaks in tongues and gives and tithes and witnesses about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he can't get off three packs a day. And the devil makes him feel guilt and shame and tell him that God doesn't love him. He's weeping in the service. He said, you know what the Holy Ghost tell me, Brother Ted? This stuff can't hang on me anymore. You know why? Because I didn't know his issue. But as I was just preaching the gospel, you know what Jesus shouted from heaven into that man's soul? Loose him and let him go. And when he did, those, that nicotine and those cigarettes couldn't hold the man anymore. When that girl came into my meeting in that Nazarene church in New Hampshire that was strung out on heroin, I can't deliver somebody in the natural from heroin addiction. You know what you find out? People that are addicted to drugs, they don't want to be addicted to drugs. People, it's not a party after you get addicted to heroin. You're not partying it's so good to do heroin again. I'm so they don't want to be on heroin. They want to be free. They don't want to go to a clinic and get on fentanyl and other, other drugs provided by the government. See, here's the government answer. You know, we'll get people off the streets and put them in clinics. You know what that means? We'll just they're not delivering you. They're just changing who your drug dealer is. It used to be a dude on the street with his pants sagged down. Now it's a man with a white lab coat on so that the government can get their tax dollars off of your drug addiction. That's not deliverance. That's just a transference of money. Jesus is not keeping you in a place of bondage. He's loosing you and letting you go free. I don't have the power in the natural to deliver some girl from heroin addiction who's been on it for years, but as I'm preaching, the Holy Ghost fell upon her and Jesus shouted from heaven, loose her and let her go. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what the devil has thrown at Your life. Tonight's a night of victory. The reason I've been preaching on dominion over the devil is because it's too long that the church has been set in bondage by the dominion of the devil. People being harassed day by day by day. You say, you know, really? Yes. Everywhere I go, I'll have people that'll come to the altar after I'm done preaching. And they'll say, Brother Ted, you know, it doesn't matter even if I prayed for everybody in the building which I'm willing to do tonight. But they'll say, you know what they'll do? I've laid hands on everything that moves. I mean, I'm Pentecostal. I'll lay hands on you, church mice. Anybody that's here is getting hands laid on. And they'll come to the altar, and they'll say, Brother Ted, would you would you just pray, give me special prayer? I don't know if there's people that think that, like, evangelists carry around in their back pocket of their coat, like, a special prayer. Well, since you asked, let me pull out the special one. Bam! You know, it's... You know, ain't no, it don't get any more special than what I do at the altar of God. It's not about me anyway. It's about the Holy Ghost. But really, what I found, and I love people, it's that they want to let you know what it is they're dealing with. And the more that I'm around people, the more I'm realizing that the devil is working overtime to try to harass God's people. And you say, well, if you're a Christian, everything should be fine. No, the devil works to fight against you, works to attack you. Let me ask by the raising of your hand. Since you've been a Christian, how many of you the devil's tried to attack you? Lift your hand if that, that's every hand in the room. You know why? Because he's seeking whom he may devour. You know what that shows you? He can't devour everybody. That's why he's looking for people that he May devour, but when you stand up strong in the Holy Ghost, you can declare devil this far and no further. You can't touch my house. You can't touch my kids. You can't touch my grandkids. you got no authority over my peace and my joy. I refuse to be depressed. I don't need to come home from work and have a Jack and Coke to calm my nerves. You don't have to come home and take a few pills to get back to normal. You don't need a five-hour energy drink midday to deal with the knucklehead. Heads in your office, you can live by the power of the Holy Ghost and declare, I'm free indeed. I don't need outside substances to keep me in the power of God. The Holy Ghost is enough. Somebody shout, God is enough. Oh, yeah. God is enough. God is enough. And when I see how the devil's harassing this generation, it makes me angry because I love people and I want to see people free. From the attacks of the wicked one. And I, you know what's so crazy? Is that the devil will do it in slow motion to you so that you learn how to live with it. Think about that. If the devil just came in all at once to mess with you, you would know. All, you'd be up ready for a fight. I ain't allowing this to come. But you know what he does? Little by little. Little something here. Mm, you know, that's just what happens. You get older and things begin to happen. You know, must be arthritis sitting in. I don't know, I... Then you go, oh, this stuff's getting blurry. Well, you know, my eyes have been around for 60 years. I don't know what's going on with them, but, you know, we'll just learn to live with it. It's just a little bit of blur. i got a little bit of floaters. Huh? I've just lost a little bit. I just, you know, I'm depressed every once in a while. It's not that bad. I can live with it. The devil will put you in a position a little by little. The Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Little by little. Little by little. You know, my dad, we used to keep a garden in West Virginia. When I was a, the Assemblies of God had a Christian version of the Boy Scouts called the Royal Rangers. My God, I was a Royal Ranger. Royal Ranger of the year 1992, Potomac District. And they gave us, they were teaching us about seed time and harvest one time, and they gave us these tomato uh, seeds to grow tomatoes. And we planted them. I grew the biggest one anybody had ever seen, 18-inch, an 18-inch tomato, a blinking tomato. Huge and I realized it doesn't take it doesn't take a hurricane to destroy your garden. You just get one little rabbit in there. You get one little rabbit that you can't find him, you can't get at him and he'll keep coming back all the time your cucumbers are gone, your tomatoes are gone, your onions are gone, cabbages are gone, lettuce is gone. That one little guy come in there and destroy the whole thing. One little guy messing with you. Messing with you. Messing with you. Till you you've gone, you're done just searching with a to, to you know, with a little net to get. Now you're out there with like a 12 gauge shotgun. Let me see where he is. I'm going to You're just done with it. One little, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And the devil, little by little, he'll mess with you. Little by little. So you learn to live with it. And you can explain it away and say, well, you know, that's how life is. And, you know, we just deal. And it's little by little. And you have to take a stand for the little stuff. My wife made a point when she was teaching one time. She said, You got to feel the same about a cold that you feel about cancer. That you say, Devil, what business do you have harassing this body? What business do you have putting the flu on me? What business do you have coming in here and touching God's property? And we got to exercise our faith at the small level before we exercise our faith at the big level. And we make up in our mind, I don't care what the devil, if he's just putting his little toe over the line and trying to mess with me, saying, I I'm coming on God's property. You stand there in the power of the Holy Ghost and say, devil, you ain't touching my family. You're not messing with my body. You're not messing with my finances or my children. I take authority over every attack of the wicked one in Jesus' name. Can you shout amen? And I want the team to come back if they would because I'm going to minister to those of you that are here because I believe this with all my heart that the power of the Holy Ghost is available To set every one of us in perfect order. Hallelujah. You know, you look at your vehicle. It could be a brand new vehicle. Still needs an oil change. Could be shiny and brand new and beautiful. Still needs an oil change. Still needs to be filled up with gas every once in a while. Because there are things that you do. You ever think about it this way? People wait until they need a serious miracle to pursue the presence of God. Why don't you pursue Him in maintenance mode? Say, Lord, I'm just going to get a touch today and receive your glory today. And I mean, there ain't even anything really pressing that I I need a miracle that's life-threatening. I don't need a life-threatening miracle. I'm just going to pursue your presence and get my daily bread, get my daily maintenance, get the power of the Holy Ghost working in my body, and I'm going to walk up in the glory of God. I'm not going to wait until the devil's attacking to pursue the presence of God. I'll pursue him when things are going well. Let me me give you a word that will help you. God doesn't just look to see how you'll respond when the devil's attacking. He looks to see how you'll respond when everything's going well. Because there are people, they wait until it's the worst moment of their life to begin to fast and pray and to seek God's face and to worship and to hit the altar. What if we did all that when nothing was wrong? What if we did all that when we didn't need healing before we die? What if we did all that before our kids started trying to get pulled into the things of this world? What if we lived like that before there was any major advancement against our freedom? I tell you, I believe that you can live in a place of freedom for the rest of your life. I know not everybody believes or preaches that, but I believe it, that you can go, as I said at the beginning... From grace unto grace, from victory unto victory, from faith unto faith, greater, greater, greater. I believe that God will use you in such a way that it will blow the minds of natural people that are watching. That they'll look at you and say, my goodness, what happened to you? How did that happen for you? Well, they'll, they'll actually ask you about it. Oh man, that's you look like you got blood. How in the world did that happen for you? It's an open door to talk about Jesus. Well, let me tell you about what Jesus did for me and he gets all the praise and he gets all the glory and he gets all the honor oh well, let me tell you what Jesus did you realize I should be dead here tonight I shouldn't even be alive i got in a car crash that should have killed me while I was still in Bible school and I had somebody praying for me I fell asleep going 60 miles an hour with no seat belt on crossed through two lanes of oncoming traffic missed every vehicle my car and I'm dead asleep no seatbelt my car swerves through two lanes of oncoming traffic over down into a restaurant parking lot with cars parked and pedestrians around didn't hit one parked car didn't hit one pedestrian kept on going only thing that woke me up I hit one of those cement parking things at the end of the parking space boom my car went over that I woke up screaming Jesus and I ended up in the middle of a warehouse parking lot with nothing around me. Didn't hit one telephone pole. I mean, one telephone pole would've taken my life. One car would've taken my life. One, I mean, anything. I could've hit the building, would've taken my life. But somebody was praying for me. And I called my dad. First thing I did, I called my father. I said, Dad, I just got in a car, accident. Went through city property, I mean, tore up the city. Tore up the city. I mean, it went five, seven minutes. I had about six cruisers around, if you're like. He said, you know what's interesting, son? He said, this afternoon, this was at night. I had a nighttime job, 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. He said, this afternoon around 2 o'clock, I was in my bedroom getting things ready. He said, and I saw a vision in the spirit of you in a car crash being harmed. He said, and I began to pray. He said, I started praying and praying in the spirit and praying till I felt a release in my spirit you can pray through that's what the old-timers used to call it praying through you pray till you feel the breakthrough he said I prayed for you until I felt the release of my spirit he said then I went on about my business and I believe it was from that prayer my father pressing in that God dispatched angels to where I was and watched over me on that night hallelujah and though I should be dead in 2021 six feet under the ground I'm able to be here with some wonderful people in Billings, Montana, telling you about how good God is and how powerful He is. And I'm going to say this to you, I don't know what the devil had planned to destroy your life. I don't know what he's tried to use to harass your family, but I'm believing by faith with you that from this night forward, every wicked thing that pursued your family is coming to an end in Jesus' name depression has to lift up and go. Anxiety has to lift up and go. Sickness and disease has to lift up and go. Every attack against your children has to run out. I'm believing that our children will be head and shoulders above the rest in Jesus' name. That whatever's going on in the spirit of this world, that they're coming for the next generation. It will not touch your kids in Jesus' name. It will not touch your grandkids in Jesus' name the wickedness sweeping through this world. If you don't think they're coming for our kids, you just scroll through Netflix once or twice. You just scroll through Netflix and look at the shows they have prepared for kids. They come out with a show about a witch on Netflix that's geared to kids and the witch, and they think if they'll put it to upbeat, funky music and all kind of hip you know, clothes and outfits and stuff, this that they're doing black magic and all kinds of death magic and blood magic and it's all cool we're just teaching our kids how to operate in black magic and witchcraft as long as there's a cool soundtrack to it they're coming for the children notice notice the devil's not telling you the supernatural's not real he's just showing you the other side of it remember this the supernatural realm there's never a vacuum what I mean is there's never an absence of supernatural power there's only one or the other if it's not the Holy Ghost it's demonic power there is no vacuum in the unseen room. You don't live in a vacuum. You live either, If you're not pursuing God, you're going away from God. If you're not pursuing his presence, you're walking away from his presence. There's two forces pulling at any given moment. And you're either following after God or you're following after the spirit of this world. And I'm like you. I made up in my mind, the spirit of this world's got nothing for me. The spirit of this world's got nothing for me. I don't want anything the world has to offer. I don't care so I don't care to be a celebrity like that. That's why I don't, I don't get into that stuff. Because pride creeps right into your spirit. You know what Paul prophesied? Just to let you know where we're at, young people. Paul prophesied that in the last days, people would be lovers of themselves. Since when in history did you ever see that within a given year, a person has taken 1,500 pictures of themselves? Back in the day, you know, you remember your grandfather. Your grandfather had, like, one picture of himself. He had one picture of your grandfather. He was like, there They didn't even know how to pose for pictures back then. Like, Who's going to feed them hogs? i got to get back and feed the hogs. Now, 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 like, after us, there's going to be some kid that's like, hey, you want to see 3,500 pictures of my granddad? And everything he did for his entire life and everything he ate for lunch, I got all his social media accounts. Lovers of themselves. Lovers of themselves. That's what we're living in today. We're living in the final moments of time. I want you to stand on your feet. I feel the anointing in here tonight. God's moving by his power. God has a plan to bless every one of us, to touch every one of us. I felt this as I was praying today. There, Listen to what I'm saying every foul force of the enemy that has tried man I'm telling you as I've been traveling these at last 18 months I can't tell you how many people have come to me crying and said my God it might have been the, the hardest 18 months I've ever had in my life there's a woman in our hometown that was so fearful with all that was going on she hung herself in her garage couldn't take the fear could not take what was going on it's the devil oppressing people attacking people I've been so happy to see people standing at God's altar, tears coming down their face, saying, thank you, Jesus, for setting me free tonight. i tell you, God's got a plan to bless you too. The fire of the Holy Ghost is coming upon every one of us in these final moments of time. And things are changing for the better with the church in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody declare it. Things are changing for the better. Say it again. Things are changing for the better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.